Stu here. I'm very proud to announce that Spoilers, my award-winning climate change comedy show, is returning to the Edinburgh Festival on the 12th, 13th and 14th of August. You can get your tickets at stuartgoldsmith.com on the little orange banner, or you can just go to edfringe.com and search my name. I mean, that's what I'd do. Whether you're a die-hard, north-face-wearing climate dude, or whether you are just a regular person who's a little bit nervous about all the news you're seeing and doesn't really know what to think, there's something there for you. It's really fun and funny, and I think you're going to love it. See you there. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Today I am talking to Lee Kyle, one of the North East's best kept comedy secrets uh, and a pivotal figure in Felt Nout, which is a kind of uh, northeastern uh, comedy cooperative. I'm going to call it an incubator, despite it sort of not being that, but it's definitely worth hearing about. He's going to tell us a bit about that. But first, we are going to talk about this dimpled diamond with a twinkly warmth and bucket loads of swearing, as I've very pleasingly written in the blurbs. Um, we're going to talk about ADHD, focusing on multiple projects and thriving in chaos, plus all the downsides, the self-doubt, demotivation and so on. Um, and we're going to find out why the first minute of Lee's set is purposefully a write-off. Really, really fun. And I highly recommend Lee's show. He's doing an Edinburgh show called, um, it's called England's Best Comedian. We'll talk about that title. You can get tickets for that in the show notes here or at edfringe.com. And you can also find his new special, Disco Twix, on YouTube, which is obviously for free because it's on YouTube. And it was watching that. And specifically, and I don't think this came up in the interview, which annoys me, but it annoys me that I didn't bring it up. But the reason I watched it was because Lee created a little um, uh, JPEG saying, hey, my friend comedian Lee Kyle has released a special and you should listen to it. Uh, you should watch it on YouTube for free. Uh, I probably haven't been bothered to, so I can't comment on it. It said that in the thing, so it made it extremely shareable. And that made me laugh so much, I thought, oh, God, I will check that out. Uh, and I was being very middle-aged and uh, pressure-washing the deck at the back of our house uh, when I listened to the whole thing, um, because it takes ages to pressure-wash a deck, much longer uh, than I had imagined, but uh, I kept going and did a really thorough job so I could finish the special. So Disco Twix is on YouTube, and of course there are 20 minutes of extras available exclusively to the Insiders Club from this interview. We will discuss Disco Twix in a bit more detail, wrestling with gender identity in, in Lee's uniquely gentle way, uh, and we will also discover uh, why 2002 was a great time to be a mediocre comedian. All of that and more in the Insiders Club at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders, but here is Lee Kyle. So thanks for thanks for coming on the show, Lee Kyle. Great no, to thank see you. you. Thank you. I'm sorry that I mean I am aware that for listeners, this is a law <laughs> <laughs> from the heady heights of Stuart Lee. I do apologise, everybody. <laughs> um, well, let's start with that humility. <laughs> it's mostly fake. <laughs> 
I saw Disco Twix. It's a special yeah. that you put on YouTube. It's an hour and 20 minutes long. It's all it is funny. long, isn't it? It's yeah. all funny. Lee, it's such a good show. I oh, really, really enjoyed it. And part of what I enjoyed, and this is in a wider kind of context, you've been going for donkey's years. You've done loads and loads of stuff. You've got, we'll talk about felt Nout. We'll talk about all of your multiple projects. Apparently you uh, did a solo performance of an entire Royal Rumble. Oh yes. I'd forgotten wrestler. about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah I oh, never man. knew. There loads of stuff to get into, but for now, for the beginning, <laughs> Lee Kyle, Northeast based, excellent comic. Really, really funny. The special is called Disco Twix. It's on YouTube. You're taking a show to the Edinburgh Festival, which has another brilliant title. What's this one called? Oh, man. It's called... I regret it now. It's called England's Best Comedian. Thank you. Good. And I <laughs> and you're flagging up that it's a rebrand in the blurb for the show, which <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy. But, but all of, so all of this stuff is kind of centred around you and your personality, which I found, having never, to my chagrin, I don't think I've ever seen one of your shows live in Edinburgh. I've seen you do sets here and there. But um, one of your qualities, which is just magical, is how incredibly warm you are. And I think part of that is is a kind of humility, like you not just kind of getting the knocks in at yourself first, I don't think, which is a sort of an established thing. But there is something about you. Just the audience just love you. And it's like it's not just that you're a funny, bald man, but you know what I mean, it's like. (laughs) What the notes you have, you you play, you play what you've got. You're dealing the hand that you've dealt very, very well in a way that makes people just, myself included, really roll over and like, oh, isn't Lee lovely and funny? Okay, I think... I, I think a lot of it is a genuine fear of rejection and desperation to be liked <laughs> which possibly yes which um I, th- I mean i can go on to fear of rejection later on in terms of career stuff but um i think oh this sounds not even pretentious but like i would hate somebody else for saying this but it's genuinely my mindset at the moment which is so i'm in my 40s now and assuming i live an average life i want to be a better person in the second half of my life than in the first. (laughs) And I I don't think I've been a horrible person. I just, I don't know. I think I'm trying to be nice. But on stage, what I am aware of is that that allows me to get away with saying some things that you technically, that some people would claim you're not allowed to say these days. (laughs) Okay. Okay, um, like what? Because this isn't well. Some of the stuff I really enjoyed about your show is that it's like I almost I sort of described it as it's like anti anti woke. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it's yeah, really I hope pro, so. it's really pro woke or woke as the expression goes. Do you know what I mean? So so what do you mean by saying things that you're not supposed to say? So a lot of times you will get the differentiation between fringe shows and club sets, and people go, "Oh, but you couldn't do that stuff in a set." And other than in older shows, we have done some quite out there set pieces. But like in terms of stand-up, I've never found that. I've found out, what, for whatever reason, get away with saying what I like on the whole. Luckily, what I like is... And the whole point of this show, the show I did that was to both be as honest as I could because I, I was kind of tired of pandering. Not pandering, but all, almost... I realised one of my weaknesses is, is that I really, really want people to like me a lot (laughs) and what I wanted for this show was to not care about that but luckily I sort of got away with making them still like me because I've got dimples or whatever quality it is (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
in a way, I was a bit frustrated. I wanted more people to be a bit annoyed, but people just went, oh, bless, yeah. It is good that you're glad the Queen's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, I don't have that thing that, although some people have hated me, but I think that's, with every performer, that is obviously going to happen. But Yes, yes. I've got you've, something you've, that. You've used the phrase get away with about three times in okay. the opening four minutes of this. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's drill into that a bit. So do you think that it's something you're getting away with? Because you, you might, an outsider might look at this and go, well, this is a man who's funny and charismatic and has worked hard and written good jokes and he's doing those jokes and he's gathering an audience and they're enjoying them. Like, what's being got away with? I think, I don't think I'm getting away with being a stand-up. I do think I've become good at it. Um, and, of course, that feels mortifying to say, but I, I, oh, of, course, of course it does. I mean, let's, let's just, there yeah. should be a blanket waiver over this entire podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. allowed to say, here, uniquely, you're allowed to say that you think you're good. <laughs> That's okay. fine. Okay, but what I think I'm getting away with is being a silly, naughty boy. More than actually getting away with being able to do stand-up. I, I do have confidence okay. in my ability to get up and do that. I do think, sadly, because, and this is one thing I often say, if new acts ask my opinion, which they do, because I have the outlying appearance of warmth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I always say is, if you're not going to become famous, you'd better become adaptable. And I have avoided becoming famous. So what I know is, I can play a lot of rooms, a lot of audiences that I'd rather not have had to learn to play. Okay, (laughs) okay, yes, yes, yes. And I would say that whatever, and I'm in inverted commas here, whatever charm, because I don't think it's charm, I hate that word, but whatever charm it is that sort of works for me on stage, I think has become a defence mechanism honed in places where I just want to get away with having done the job and leave it as quick as I can. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay. So when you're like, can you give us an example of one of those, like a gig where you've gone to war? Do you know what I mean? Where you've been like, oh, this, this is, I mean, have you ever played somewhere you would describe as unplayable? Because you hear the word unplayable. Yeah. Okay. So people have kind of, okay, it was unplayable. I did it. I survived. I got the money, but there was no play involved because it was unplayable. So give us your approach to that and how that, into those, those circumstances and how it, um, how that manifests in the quality that you're describing. Okay, I can say I, I would play those differently now. Um, so one of the one of my least favourite bits of advice, which I do think it comes from, you know, that thing Gary Delaney wrote years ago that became a gospel? Go on. Now, and I think this is not any... I remember speaking to Gary about it, and he said, what you've got to understand, I was writing that for one specific person, giving advice on the way I do things because his act was vaguely similar. Yeah. But for me, the whole idea of don't waste any time, start with a quick joke, get in there hard is absolutely nothing matter how I work. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, the first minute of my set is purposely a write-off. <laughs> I'm not going to waste a joke in that. <laughs> like, to me, it's all about almost, I've started to even just put it in such blank terms of going, don't worry, you're not going to enjoy the first minute, but I'm pretty good, you'll be fine. And ah, I think that's more okay. important to go, I'm on, even if I'm not in control, because you don't always feel in control, but even if I am, I think it's important to let them have a little bit of doubt and then build it up from there and go, oh, actually, yeah, he's fine. Yes, OK, that's interesting. That's interesting. I think, um, like, that does... 
Yeah, so what Gary had said is, um, yeah, have a quick joke, get in there, and almost like prove you're a comic. And it's what yeah. I always think of Dara, Dara O'Brien saying, the beginning five minutes of his tour shows is always, he calls it, trust me, I'm a comedian. Yeah, yeah. So they trust you. But what you're sort of saying is, um, be at peace with the fact that I'm okay with whatever happens here. And yeah. that does a similar job, doesn't it? It's not necessarily a big belting laugh, but it, but it's 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 the first kiss, isn't it? It's that moment where you kind of, it's the first date, you go, don't worry, everything's going to be fine in one way yeah. or another. You know, you're not saying it with a barnstorming joke, but you're kind of going, you're saying I'm letting you into my personality. Yeah, and I think that's it's set, it's setting the stall out, which for what Gary does is absolutely, he is going to be loads of jokes. Mm-hmm. It would be weird if he didn't start with a really strong joke. But for me, who I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't have one-liners, but I basically don't have one-liners. Yeah, it yeah, seems yeah. silly to start with a quick joke. It doesn't. And actually, my strength is that I do think I try my best to make people relax. And I, I feel like I, I try to be, I don't think I've ever phoned a set in, whether I've been good or bad. I, I, and I think a lot of this is, and I know you are in a similar situation, like um, late realisation of ADHD, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start ringing a bell now whenever that comes yeah. up. <laughs> and I know, I'm aware, I'm aware of the cliche and I'm aware that everyone's going, oh, everyone's writing about this these days. And you go, yeah, it's because we've had a lockdown. We've all realised quite how we're mental. Yes. You know, yes. that's, it's, yes. it's. And again, another disclaimer for the show, if this is, if the listener is new to this, has picked it up, um, ADHD is in between 5 and 8% of the population uh, in terms of people who, because of the way their mind works, chose to be a stand-up comic, it's more like, I mean, I revise this upwards every time, 60%. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had so many people just from around here, around the northeast, in yeah. the last two months go, yeah, I've got a diagnosis, so I'm going for a diagnosis. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was speaking to Dave Haddigan two days ago, and he's in his 50s, and he was just like, so he was talking about how Ed Byrne, you know, dropping names, had mentioned having ADHD. And yeah. Dave was like, well, that's that's what I do. And his wife sort of went, yes, Dave, yes, it is. <laughs> And it's, it's it's almost sad in a way. Like, I'm not going to, oh, like, I don't know about you, but I had a vague morning process of going, this explains why every, why school and every job I've ever had felt impossible. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's sort of sad. But on stage, what it's meant is I'm never not in the room and I'm very good at dipping in and out of the crowd when I feel it's necessary. And I'm very good at doing things off the cuff and using that as using my ability to, as I quote unquote, get away with being a little bit naughty yeah. to get away with it. If ad-lib doesn't work, I'm very good at, like, this is a terrible skill that I wish I didn't have, but I'm very good at ad-libs that don't really work and then people <laughs> being fine with it. <laughs> That's a great skill it's to not, have. I mean, it's no being able to write great routines. I'll give you that. <laughs> no, sure, for sure. Um, do, you, do you feel then, this is jumping ahead really, but do you feel... Um, uh, I'll ask you now, and I'll ask you at the end, maybe. Do you feel you're in the appropriate place for your career? Does anybody? Do you, honest, like, I don't know. I don't think I've ever question. asked it before. It's a hell of a question. <laughs> the answer is, uh, it's a, it's. this is what I'm... So, you know, they say unhappiness, and I'm not... I know I know it's one of your stock questions, and it's, it's obviously more than a yes or no question, but, you know, they say unhappiness is often based on you not being the thing you feel like you are. Mm-hmm. You're not in that position, and that's terribly phrased, but you know the point I'm getting at. The answer is absolutely not, to be honest, in a lot of ways. Um, but I understand it. 
That's great. That's a yeah. great answer, Lee. Yes. Um, yes. And this is what I'm toying with at the minute. Um, so what I've done is I was very unhappy at the start of this year. So I've done the the weekend, the New Year's Eve run at the stand in, in Newcastle, and that was absolutely wonderful. And I usually compare the, and I wasn't. I was doing a set, and I was doing 20 minutes, and it felt so refreshing and alive, you know. To I, I like comparing. It's, I guess, my bread and butter. But there's something wonderful about not having to care about the rest of the bill. And I don't mean as people, but not have to go, I'm setting the room up. Sure. Rather than it's on go, your shoulders. If you're a decent, yeah. if you're a half-decent compare, the night is on your shoulders. Yeah, and, and I like that responsibility. Responsibility, yeah. And I genuinely like comedians. You know, like, I think certainly around here, my best friends are comics and they're wonderful people. But I also like to go, yes, 20 minutes. If this goes wrong, this is on me. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, and I... But that was sort of, I almost knew that once that was out of the way, I was going to be a bit down because I knew January and some stuff came like it always does. But I knew January was quiet and it, I had that thing of going, so I know I can do this. I've been pretty good at it for a while, but th- this felt like the last days of me being able to just do this, if that makes sense. It felt like. And this isn't one of those, we've all seen it on Facebook with people I like, but have gone, oh, what is it? You get older, people don't want you anymore. But then the answer is, in a way, yes, that is how the world works. I'm not naive to that, you know? And um, I never, what I feel is I never had my, and again, this is my fault. I don't think fault's the right word, but this is, I understand it. I never had the time of being an exciting new act, you know, like some people have. I, I feel I had okay, Lee isn't very good. Then suddenly, oh, yeah, Lee's fine. But I didn't go to Edinburgh early enough. I listened to all of that stuff, which I now don't believe of. Don't be going to Edinburgh until you're blah, 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 headlining every club or whatever. And I go, I don't, I think it's a different setup, frankly. I don't think that's particularly relevant. And I look at people who start at the same time as me, and we wouldn't have been the same. We're very different acts. But, like, I started in the, around the same time. I gigged a lot with people like Richard Gard when he was new. And I would not have won an Olivier. Don't mistake that. <laughs> <laughs> but Richard did the fringe very early, built this thing. And I waited and waited and waited. And I, I wish I hadn't. I wish I'd have had some idea of going, rather than this, he has this act who we think is probably fine. And he's been going a little while, whatever. I feel like I missed out. But that was a long time ago. And I don't have any, I don't feel bad about that. What I do feel is that, I don't always know what I want, if that makes sense. Like, I really value my independence. I like, that's a very important thing to me in terms of the work I do and just the life I live. But part of me also thinks, I do feel like I'm good enough to have a fairly decent agent or whatever it is. But I also don't think I necessarily, so I want the life I don't know if I want to lead the life that they would want me to lead for a start, although I would like more money. I'm not stupid. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, Louise Young. Um, so Louise is from the same housing estate as me in Jarrow. And we were both pretty, let's say pretty straight in circumstances. And I think Louise's, in fairness, were probably, I mean, even judging by the name of our show this year, hers, she describes herself as feral, which is, you know what, <laughs> you know what, she's not even, in some ways, she's not even over-exaggerating. She had a very tough upbringing. Okay. 
And I was sort of moaning to her, and then I got an opportunity for a thing. That ended up not working out, but simply getting the opportunity to get something looked at that I didn't expect was a, a boost that I needed at the right time. But my immediate instinct was to go, oh, I'm not going to bother with this meeting. It'll, it'll be shit. If they think my thing's good, they're obviously idiots. And she sort of told me off, which is interesting off someone 10 years younger than me. And she was right to go, you can't keep moaning about lack of opportunities. Then one comes just pissing it away because you've got all this <laughs> self-doubt. And I think I would say the reason I'm not where I feel like I could be in a best case scenario is myself, honestly. Uh, I do think I can do the job, but I do. I'm absolutely... And this is a realisation I've come to recently as part of the ADHD thing. I spoke to Anya Atkinson, who's a comic around here. You might know, I don't know, but she's she's got diagnosed, of course, and she was talking about rejection sensitivity. And I think that is... I've only recently realised it's kind of dominated my entire professional life, which is I feel like a lot of the things I'm doing, which is going my own road and setting up things to, is actually just a fear that everybody secretly hates me and doesn't want us. <laughs> you know, I think if I can, and it's not a th like I have a lot of very good friends and I've, and stuff like that, but it's a constant fight against the feeling that they're doing as some sort of act of charity to me. <laughs> Yeah. So, do you? Do you none, none of that <clears throat> presents itself from the times I've spoken, you know, or chatted to, or what have you. Do you? How does how does it manifest in you? Do you go dark? I've got a mate who just goes dark, and you just you won't speak to anyone for three months, and you need to kind of go. We're all in the habit of like we we don't notice it anymore, and now we go. Oh, he's doing that thing again. He's gone dark. Yeah. Is someone checking on him? You know, because like he'll just withdraw. No, what, I don't. I don't manifest? think I do. I don't think I do. I think so. Um, I think I lie in bed till the afternoon and then get furious with myself. <laughs> and then I'll get up, I'll send some messages to some friends or something, and then I perk up as the day goes on. Then my wife gets home from work and I'm just puppyish and really pleased to see her. <laughs> as <a distraction. laughs> but I think, I don't think I lash out, but I think... I've got this thing where maybe on social media I seem more aggressive than I am because I'm quite a sweet boy. But I suddenly get really frustrated at the wider world in ways that I can't change anything and go, I'm really angry with the king today. As if, like, yeah, yeah. of course you are, but what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I put, like, just... While at the same time getting really stressed if anyone answers in a negative way because I don't actually want an argument, I hate them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this has all come out, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you for sharing it. I went, I, I kind of hit you with two quite big things quite early yeah. doors. I think that, um, I, I think so much of it is chaos. So much of it is chaos and so much of it is luck. And I don't, you know, there are meritocratic elements to it. We all apply ourselves to the hand we're dealt we apply ourselves to the luck and the the last thing anyone wants to be is someone who in your words avoided becoming famous i thought that was very well put um and then it's it's like uh, this this comes up from time to time on the show i suppose this idea that if you have made it and have become rich and famous you then have you sort of earned the position of being able to look at it and go that's all just shit and luck but if you haven't, then it sounds like bitterness yeah, to yeah. stand there and behold the chaos and go, well, obviously, if you get lucky early, if you if you win a competition 
early, which might be, and whether that happens or not, whether you have the opportunity to get to the final might depend on the smallest, slightest whim. You know, someone slammed a door and your name flew off the table. They're stupid, stupid micro decisions that are yeah. constantly happening to everyone. And the fact of not getting to the final and the fact of not getting the thing and someone else does and then they get the agent and they accelerate. That's a real tangible thing, the speed of that acceleration. So yeah. Yeah. to feel like you kind of missed out on the on the arrival, like, you know, and, and I, I, I think you're being, again, yeah, not humble, you're being very decent about it in terms of like, I didn't go early enough and that's on me. You know, or I didn't take the risk, I didn't back myself and that's on me. You have to not blame yourself, I suppose, but we all have to kind of own the the, the decisions that we've yeah. made in that respect. <clears throat> Um, that must be that must be really really hard. The, the, I suppose the point I'm trying to make is that it's so hard for any of us, no matter what our level of profile or success or any of those kind of any metrics, even our level of happiness. It's so hard to kind of go, what what might have been, and what decisions did I make, and what decisions did I not make. So we all have to just kind of be and just exist and go well it is what it is and yeah. i could either let it yeah. demotivate me and kill me off <laughs> or you know keep going and you're, and you're some go on. it sometimes does I, I suffer from massive bouts of demotivation um and again i suspect it's an adhd thing where i don't what i find is i have a couple of days a month where I work intensely and put a lot of plans into place and spend the rest of the time going, oh, I'm now going to have to do that thing that yeah, I plan to do. Yeah, and I yeah, hate yeah. it. I hate it. And um, <laughs> I hate it. I wait. No, I'll not name it because it's um, it's probably illegal, but a friend of mine, comic, recently diagnosed with ADHD, she got some hooky tablets from abroad for narcolepsy. <laughs> Okay. And I've got to tell you, mate, she gave me some of them in case I needed them. And I worked for 15 hours and it was incredible. And I thought, is this what people are like? <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. The, um, uh, the Comedians Comedian podcast uh, cannot recommend this course. Yeah. Just, 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 um, I'll not name any names, but just get in touch with <laughs> if you need it. <laughs> but, um, sorry, where were we talking about? I got, well, what do you know? I got distracted. Um, yeah. Owning our decisions, I suppose. And it's... But it's, I, my point is, it's like we, we, we all have to kind of... I'm pleased with the sentence. I'm going to say it again. We have to behold the chaos. You have yes. to stand and look at, like, your career and the world and the things available to you, to oneself, you know, and go, oh, Christ, I have to fit into this somehow. And you'll mm -hmm. and who knows what you could have done? And, you know, who knows what yeah. you could have done differently? But, You're just like, well, I've got to still I, be here. I refuse to not fight the frustration with that, though, because chaos is how I'm best. And I've had a lot of people say to me, you do too many things at once, focus on one thing. And you go, yeah, if I could focus on one thing, I, would, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be in this light. I would be very different. I can't focus on one thing. And I can only really work when I have seven things on the go and I don't put too much stock on one. And yeah, that's probably harmed my career in some ways, mm. but I can't change the person I am. You know, like if I could, God, the, and this, I work through procrastination, you know, that is how I write. Yeah. And I think, so this is something I, read once and I believe it but I don't know if I believe it because it's how I already work right which is that creative people procrastinate and it's a good thing and I really believe that so I think so you like I've never I could never be one of those people who writes the Edinburgh show in September 
And I'm glad about that because I'm writing it all the time, right, Stu? We're all obviously thinking and comedies for obsessives, right? We're all, they're, it's all percolating. But it's the thing about once you've written your show down in whatever way you write it, whether you write long form or just notes, your brain almost stops working on it. And you can go back and you can work on it and you can try to add bits, but you're fighting against an already completed puzzle. So your brain's already oh, satisfied. Oh, God, that's exactly <laughs> where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. You just hit the nail so hard on the head. We're recording this at the end of mid-May, and that's exactly what, for the first time for years, I've written down my whole show. And now I feel like part the puzzle is partly completed. It's not yeah. brilliantly completed. Some of the bits have been hammered in the wrong places. But it's a different sort of a challenge now. And I've been experiencing real inertia in the last couple of weeks and wondering yeah. why. And I think I'm doing exactly that. Yeah, it's it's finished. Like, and you will change this show. Of course you will. But you'll be, you're now chipping away with a puzzle, with a chisel at a massive thing of granite rather than, God, this is, a, is this a metaphor? Rather yeah, go on, than, go on, rather than what? <laughs> Hang on. Pulling you're scarves now, out of a hat. <laughs> yes, I suppose. Or just sort of roughly playing with some Play-Doh and it's all soft and malleable because you haven't really made anything out of it yet. You've got like, I don't want to say Michelangelo's David, I'm sure your show is fine, Stu, but come on, let's not oversell <laughs> <laughs> But you know, like, you've got a finished statue there, and though you're now making small changes to it, and it's kind of hard because it looks yes. finished, whether you feel it is or not. I've Whereas... got to burn the script. I've got to burn the script. I've got to delete the oh, script. But oh, that's hand, such a good point. On the other hand, I mean... Who's to say I'm right? I've seen some of my shows and they've been fucking half finished messes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you've specific. I'm, <laughs> the Comedians Comedian Podcast is not suggesting anyone in mid-May burn their script. <laughs> However, specifically, <laughs> specifically with the situation I'm in right now, I think I have. It has become a trudge, and it shouldn't be a trudge. It yeah. should be delightful. It should be. Oh, look at all these! I've got all these puzzles. Oh, look at all these things I've got. It should be me spinning around on a gyroscopic chair, going, "Oh, I could do any one of these things just now." And it isn't. It's me, kind of hunched, crying yeah. over a block of uh, a block of marble. A block of yeah. David. But, yeah. <laughs> but crying, not... a, crying over a tiny penis, which was yeah. apparently very attractive back then. <laughs> yeah. Which. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so bear in mind, though, like, that it is a risky way to write a show. I'm not debating that. But I think I had it because I did my 2000, I want to say 2019, I think it was. I had a show that was just, it was awful. It was awful getting to July. And I thought, I cannot go to the fringe with this. And I sort of, I almost wrote it off. And it was so refreshing to go, this show's rubbish. I'm just going to have fun. And then by early August, I was like, oh, this has become really funny. Like, yeah, and it's, it's, I was lucky it could have easily not become funny, but the premise that I had the show based on was just unsuccessful. And it was like, what's the point? I'm flogging a dead horse here. I had a very small room. I'm going to have fun with it. I'm going to, what I like to do is have a show where I do something different to what I did the year before. But, and I don't mean in a getting people in, I mean in a, I want to get better. So I'm like, the year before I told true life stories, which was, it was a dead mother show because my mum had died. And I, I very much hate the cliche going, oh, you're doing that, are you? And you go, yeah, but my mum's died. It is significant yeah. to us. Yeah, how you can know, you like, think about anything what else? Am I, yeah, yeah, what yeah. am I supposed to write? It's, you it's know? an act of artistic cowardice to have a parent die and then do a show about anything else. Yeah. I'm laying my cards on the table. Yeah. <laughs> it, it felt like it is disfe- And I think I had a different outlook on it in that, I mean, this sounds bad I know but my mum died and we weren't as close as we maybe could have been and while I was sad it didn't ruin my life yeah. and that was sort of and I did have people come to me after shows and go oh that happened to me and nobody ever talks about it so that was and so what and it, are you telling me at the 40 minute mark you realised you didn't care your mum had died 
was <laughs> I got in much earlier than that. I think I needed a little earlier. No, uh, and genuinely, if I had to say, if there was a routine I'm most proud of, it probably is that one in terms of I'm proud that I got a laugh, not just off that routine. I got a laugh off telling them my mum had died. And I think that was, oh God, that sounds horrible. I know, like, I have to... Most people listen to this are going to be comedians or big comedy fans. People understand that, obviously, it's one way of looking at it. I was sad my mum died. I was in the room when my mum died. It was horrible. Oh, but sorry. you do have, I mean, you do have that almost psychopathic thing of being a comic, don't you? Of going, oh, this is awful. Remember that detail. And you go, no, switch off leaving in the moment. Your mum's dying, you know. And it's and it's and it was a very strange thing. But she did... She did say something very funny just before she died too, which has got to be relevant, you know. And it's, yeah. and I was I was dead proud of the way I did that bit because I learned how to couch a sad bit or telling some people a sad bit in a bit of ludicrousness, which is, I think, if you're doing it for me with my personality, I can't be harsh without a bit of protection around it mm-hmm. because I look too cute or whatever it is. I, I, I come across as too likable, so it's a bit like, oh, why is he saying this? But I was I was able to so what I would say is I'll just do the bit okay I'll do a short bit of the bit the start yeah. which is I say the, and I like to sometimes people say how do I say this bit and my answer is often just say the thing you're thinking yeah. you don't have to cleverly metaphor it in so yeah. it was something like um, th- this next bit's going to be sad and I don't want to make you sad because it's against the remit of what I'm here for yeah. so I was speaking to another comedian and I said how do I do sad bits because they've done sad bits and I want to tell you this thing because I think it's important, but also I've got some jokes about it. To be and, and I said, he started going on and on because that's what comedians are like. They like to act like it's more than it is. The actual secret of comedy, everything, everybody is. If you say something funny in the laugh, say it the next time. <laughs> and then he, and I go, he said, say something very surprising first, then slip the sad bit in. So I'm like, oh, that's good. Say something surprised and then slip the sad bit in. So, I said, so with that in mind, a couple of months ago, I saw Tom Cruise swallow an alligator whole and my mum died. <laughs> and I think that's really... And it's, and I know some people say it's a very weak way to get a, get a heavy subject in. But to me, the fact that people laugh at the line, and my mum died, is like, yeah. that's quite a proud thing, to be honest. So this is Lee Kyle. Don't miss Disco Twix on YouTube. If this has piqued your interest, it's an incredibly quick way to get in touch with him and suss him out. I'm sure you'll love it. I really, really enjoyed it. His warmth just radiates out of him and it's got some really, really funny and kind of abrupt and rude stuff in it as well, um, whilst being incredibly uh, sort of warm and welcoming to, to all comers. Really, really good. So check out Disco Twix. And of course, his new show, England's Best Comedian, is on sale now for his run at the Edinburgh Fringe. Catch up with Lee at I'm Lee Kyle or I'm Lee Kyle.com. My show is also getting ready for the Edinburgh Fringe and blow me tight, I've found an ending to it at last. I found an ending that is buried in the beginning in the way that I love to have, which is... I, I don't know. Do you think the Aristotelian idea of uh, tragedy being the end... Uh, tragedy having the end being buried in the beginning. Is that just a callback? Was Aristotle just peddling some hackery? Who knows? But um, I've got to, I've, I've got to, I'm, I'm really pleased with the ending. It's, it's, it's one of those things that 
this joke on the end of it makes me go, oh, that's now kind of retroactively shaping the stuff that goes before it. And I'm very chipper. I know you've been holding my hand as I've been through a very painful journey trying to make uh, climate dread funny, um, but I think I have pulled it off. So you can catch up with all of my stuff, of course, at stuartgoldsmith.com, where you will find link trees to socials and links to my online special on YouTube and links to my Edinburgh show, Spoilers, which is 3.20pm at the Monkey Barrel throughout the month of August in this year of our uh, our... I'm not going to say Lord, but our collectively evolving consciousness, 2023. So that's all of that. Let's get back to Lee just now. Um, and uh, we will talk a little bit more at the end. And remember, you can go to the Insiders Club feed, uh, which you can join for £2 a month or as much as you like at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders to find out more about how Lee's mentality has changed regarding sending emails to promoters. And he also, while I take a little wee break, I didn't realise until I went back and checked the log for the episode, he also sang me a little song, which I think is the mark of a truly classy guest. Here's Lee. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think there's something to be said for carefulness. You know, like it's... Uh... So the whole, and I don't really want to get into the, oh, you can't see anything these days thing, because it's been debated endlessly and endlessly and endlessly. But I've always thought, yeah, you can't because you're shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, we've all been on bills with acts who can say some horrific things without any of the protection that I do it, but they're very good at it. And they've got a twinkle in the eye or an understanding of irony or 30 years experience or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, you, you know, but I don't want to get into that because it's a it's a done. De- uh, I'm not interested in debates that I've done anymore. Like, yeah. you know, uh, tell me, Lee, uh, what's it like being a woman in comedy? <laughs> <laughs> Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got I've got that. I've got a cold fear now that people will read that as something other than me. Uh, jokingly pointing out that the what's it like being a woman comedy yeah. debate is a done deal and yeah. dead and no one can ask about it anymore. I think that's clear. But if, uh, if, Instagram, if Instagram Reels has taught me anything, it's that uh, people will un- misunderstand oh. literally any thought you could possibly have. And they will run with an entire invented personality for you based on a line that you don't even feel strongly about. Yes, I asked, I asked the other day, I asked on Twitter, I think, about... Oh, no, it was on Instagram. It was about... Um, about my seven-year-old and I, he wanted to watch um, uh, Eurovision. And I said, look, I'm totally... Eurovision is completely alien to me. Uh, is, is it suitable? And what I meant was, 
is it going to be sweary? Is it, you know, yeah. I know Graham Norton hosts it and apparently over a glass of wine. And is it is it suitable for kids? And someone, Lord, someone sent me a private message lambasting me for my anti-LGBT views. Whoa. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I mean, first, meet my son. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was really staggering. So, yeah, OK, so. We won't get into we won't get into the, into that debate, and I, I'm, I'm more interested in you anyway. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. talk a bit about the the content of specifically of Disco Twix because well, let's let's come back and talk about the content of Disco Twix. First, tell me where you're at with your show this year. <laughs> well, based on what I've already said about, I have got a title. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Of course, you said it's it, that is where it, I am. England's best comedian. <laughs> no, and um, uh. I'm very puzzled about it, to be honest, in that I don't really know it, what it is. Um, Great, this, is a, this is the perfect time yeah. to talk to us about it. If I, yeah, um, and we're all, a, everyone that hears this is now going to come and see it because we want to see what it turns God, into. I could do with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I think it's about rejection sensitivity, which is a new thing. But is it? Is it what is it about? Um, and is, it, is, is what it's about? Like, How much of it have you got? How many minutes have you got that you think, oh, that'll definitely be in? Like zero, I, I, I don't. I don't know, Stu. I don't. I don't think like that. And I, so, well, this is my question. So, how how do you think? Like, it's it. Are you starting with it's about? Are you starting with hey, this is the stuff I find myself talking about at the moment. Maybe there's a show in there. How how are you approaching it? How are you walk? What you you've got your chisel in one hand and your your hammer in the other. In what direction are you? Are you circling the marble? Are you throwing uh, yeah, away and rolling um, in play doh? Where are we? At the minute, I think this is where I am in terms of my current fear of rejection is my mind's not letting me think about it, to be honest, um, yeah. which luckily it can't stop it because it's, it is, but it must, God, it's at the back of my mind right now. Um, yeah. I'm doing what I do, which is I'm doing a lot of other little jobs for other people rather than okay. myself, <laughs> okay. hoping it also goes away is the yeah. actual truth. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, thank you. And I'm starting like I always start with the with going into it thinking, oh fuck it, I'll just do a best of. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a healthy. Yeah. Hey, I'll just fuck it. I'll just do a best of. Yeah. Yeah, well, because then it's fun and it's playful, and you're reminding yourself it's just plasticine, right? Yeah. Yes, and what that means is there's no pressure of a blank page. And what always happens, Stu, is that by the time I get to there, everything's new and it's not a best stop at all. But I've already yeah. got an hour. That's what I can look at it as. Yeah. Go, well, I've got a show, so I don't need to worry. Yeah. Which is yeah, 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 yeah. something I was telling somebody who, uh, somebody around here was writing her first ever show and asked for a bit of advice. And she, before she did stand-up, she, well, she still is a singer as well, mm. and she did some funny songs. I went, put the songs in. She said, I don't want to do funny songs. I was like, yeah, but if you put them in, you've already got half an hour and then you can take them out rather than add them, rather than add stuff to a blank paper. So at the minute, oh my God, it's a, it's a best of with bits of me veering between telling them I'm England's best comedian and telling them I'm an absolute worthless piece of shit. Ah, <laughs> I see, gotcha. Okay. Um, but so what I do is I think I feel like I take massive career risks based on very little, Stu, right? Mm-hmm. To hide from the day-to-day contacting of promoters, which I'm finding very difficult right now for whatever reason. I've got this thing about satire, which I think I don't like it. And I think if you're going to do it, 
I don't like gentle satire because I feel like, and I'm, this is not an original thought. It's a tool of the, it's a tool of the ruling classes, isn't it? To generally be poked fun at. Yes. Oh God. The first time must be 15, 20 <clears throat> years ago where someone first said to me, oh, well, the thing about have I got news for you is it's a big pat on the back for the establishment. Yeah. And I kind of went, oh God, I thought it was biting. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I suppose you're right. God. So I almost didn't want to write a joke and I just wanted to say, I hope he died. I wish he died of COVID. So that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel if you're going to do it, you've got to be vicious to uh, to people who you think are genuinely bad. I feel yeah. that's a legitimate response. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, it's not a it's not a bit I do, but I I love to see you do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and maybe yeah. that's the point. Maybe that's the point of the bit, isn't it? That's com- comedian as pressure valve. You know, and say it's not something I would have done until then. To be like. Well, the whole point of this show is I wanted to say things I didn't feel necessarily comfortable saying because I wanted to be, I wanted to do a show where I felt I was being 100% honest about what I thought. So it was difficult for me. I really, really, really want people to like me. Just in in terms of the want, the the what is, what what do you want in the writing of a show? How many shows have you written now? I feel like you've done tons. You've done like seven or eight. Oh, um, let me think. I think I've done... I don't even know. Maybe five, six. Okay, um, five, six. The first one I ever did was just a one-off that I did, and I didn't like it. Uh, but yeah. What? So just talk to me about. You don't need to sort of go through them sequentially, but <laughs> like, how has the want changed? Like, you do, I remember doing my first hour of solo stand-up, and I wanted to have done an hour. Like, I really was like, oh my god! I remember being a newer comic, thinking, how could anyone ever do an hour? That's insane. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to do an hour, and then as I wrote the hour, I wanted to kind of make a particular point or what have you. Yeah. From what you, what there obviously is lots and lots of different ones. If the most recent one, if Disco Twix, the most recent take one at least, was about wanting to not pander to them or wanting to say the stuff you actually wanted to say. Yeah. How has that changed from the wants of the previous okay. show? I can go through that. So the first show, I specifically remember, so I did The Fringe in 2013 as a triple header, and I felt very lucky, to be honest. Who, we, who was your triple header with? It was Cy Buglis, who I don't think you'll know. Who is, I know the name, I know the name. I could talk about Cy for an hour, and he's, <laughs> there's so many stories that I couldn't possibly put out there because what a life that man has led, and in positive okay. and negative ways. Right? Oh, okay, okay. And uh, Johnny Pelham. Oh, yeah, Johnny's um, coming up on the show. God, yes, I can't wait. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm seeing Johnny this weekend. We're both in Glasgow at the same time. He doesn't know yet, but I'm going to meet him for lunch. I haven't asked him because he doesn't know I'm there. But I'm, I'm, Johnny, <laughs> in the past, we're going for lunch. And I love Johnny, and he's a diff- he's in some ways a different person to how he is on stage while being the same person. Like, I think people think he's constantly thoughtful and pensive, whereas yeah. he's got a wild side, as Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I didn't enjoy the fringe that year. I okay. felt very lucky that we did it at the stand and it was it felt out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But I also felt a lot of pressure because I've sort of misunderstood. So we would sort of fly her all day because I didn't want to let people down. And then I okay. sort of realized this isn't actually working. It's just driving me to illness. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't and it was also insisted that I went on last because Johnny didn't want to. And Sai <laughs> It was a talented man with a lot of flaws, turned up without the brand new set he was going to write, yeah. and instead just had an act that would not work outside of Newcastle. Okay. So just, just, okay. just compared the show instead and spent all all of the money he borrowed off us at the boogies. It was great, and I remember watching Seymour Mace's show that year, yeah, and feeling very jealous mm-hmm. that 
he had done a thing where he was able to allow people into his world and I didn't feel I could do that. Yes, yes, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I'm just saying that's the first time I've thought about you in the context of Seymour. And yes, he's, you both have a kind of fondness for the absurd <laughs> and, yeah, letting people into the world. Got it. Yeah, and like... And this is something that we probably won't have time to touch on, but it's something that fascinates me. We're from we're all from we're both from South Tyneside as well, which I think is similar. And there's I feel like South Tyneside is certainly the north's northeast, but one of the in Britain in a weird way, like almost all of the comedians people think of as being Geordie comics are from South Tyneside, and I don't know why because it's a very odd shy place, and I'm trying to figure it out. So I'm talking like Seymour, Jason Cook, Sarah Milligan, Chris Ramsey, even like going back years and years, Eric Idle's from South Shields, and I don't understand it. But anyway, so I watched okay. him and I thought yeah. I don't get the chance to do this because on the bad days the gig's already bad by the time I go on and they're getting off early and I'm having to fill half an hour. On the good days, they're overrunning and I'm doing seven minutes at the end. It doesn't matter what I do. So the first show was just me trying to get them in. But it it wasn't hugely successful in that. And what I was actually doing was doing my first show and it was all of the material I had in an order. You know, the second year I tried to write a show. I had some of the funniest ideas I've ever had. Right. And I tried to write a show that was just weird and but without a theme and it wasn't until oh god i have to tell you this so it wasn't until i did it in front of my grieving family when after my mom died that i realized this show's all about death and panic about death but i didn't write it it was so so i booked a show i booked a lot of shows in um i was trying to self-fund a tour and it was partly successful we'll go with on this show and I wish I hadn't done it with this show because it was my weakest show looking back which had three really good set pieces in and lots of work a day stand up and the set pieces were and this sounds mad Stu like it came from moments of inspiration like one moment of inspiration I had these three ideas in about three minutes and thought this show's going to be a minute and I didn't have another <laughs> idea uh, I had like, so do you know the song loving, loving you it's easy because you're beautiful so I had this thing yeah. where I I wanted to do a bit where I answered lots of songs posed by questions posed by famous songs. So what I did is I got okay. a I got a whistling kettle. <laughs> this sounds stupid, and I and I I had it on a, a hot tub on the stage with me, and I had to measure out the exact amount of water each time to play for about eight and a half mm-hmm. minutes. Right, so I would have music playing, and there would be questions posed by songs, and I would answer those questions, and I would do little musicy bits, and then that song would play at the end, yeah. Love in You, and I would time it so it ended as the kettle oh. whistled for the high note. Oh. Yeah, and I thought that was all I had, and it wasn't until I booked these shows in, and one of them was on was in the estate where where I grew up, and I thought there's not going to be that many there. It's a small, it's it was more a community centre, and I thought it'll just be interesting. And then my mum got ill and died while I was touring that show, and I was like, this is a bit grim, but. They wanted to do the show to the point where they said, is it all right if Maisie, who was the mayor who lived next door to me, granny, right? If she does a speech about your man before the show. And I went, absolutely not. <laughs> like, come on now. No. <laughs> and, and, no. And what I ended up doing was trying to take bits out of that show that I thought might remind them of my mom who died two weeks ago. And then I thought, it wasn't until I looked through it that I went, there isn't a show. This is all really fun bits about fear of death. So that was that one. <laughs> Uh, the next one I purposely was writing about my mum dying 
And it was, I wanted to tell true stories, which I'd never done before. I wanted it to be, I'd get better at telling stories. Then the one after, I wanted to get better at making up a story and having them half believe it was true, but no, deep down it wasn't. Which didn't really work. Okay. It was a funny show. It was a show I talked about earlier that I threw all in the bin. And I feel it was my okay. most funny show, like Bearbone's funniness. But it was a bit of a letdown in that. I think I wasn't good enough at having that bit of going, oh, but this isn't quite true. And I think most people just believed it was true. And what I'd actually done is written a story where I came out of it looking great, which wasn't the intent. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I was like, and then in the end, I was correct. And I'm like, oh, that's good. Like, oh, it didn't actually happen. And you know, I, I couldn't quite get it to... So I did put a bit at the end where I sort of okay. let the air out of the balloon and let them know that it probably wasn't true. But I never said, oh, it wasn't true. But I was a bit disappointed in myself in that way. But I think in terms of the laughs, there were some bits in it that I was like, I'm really, for a show that came together late, I was happy. And that gets us, I guess, to the point where we are, which is that last one was about just trying to be honest and remove that fear from myself of going, hey, don't worry about, I know I said a thing, I'll not say any more things you might disagree with, <laughs> you know. I want to remove that. Yeah, okay. Okay. So so I suppose those uh, what that kind of suggests to me is that's that kind of busy brain, that kind of restless mm-hmm. quality that you were talking about earlier that I certainly have as well, which is which I, I sort of I like you see co- certain comics who work out who they are and yeah. they do that. And they do another show. Sarah Milligan, yeah. you mentioned, you know, brilliant, brilliant comic, lovely person and very hard worker. This is what I do. And I'm going to do it about this. And then I'm going to do it about this. And then I'm going to do it about this. And as a result, consistency, building a crowd, always delivering, yeah. brilliant. I, I certainly, speaking for myself, way more yeah. restless than that. What do I want to do with the? How am I going to interscope? It's like I feel like I've got a shed full of in, half-finished inventions. Mm. And I, I feel that it's a little bit like what you've kind of described in, in going through that rundown of your shows and also... Yeah, and it's... I would say in terms of building an audience, it's, it's, it has not been a positive. <laughs> uh, I don't, although yeah, it's starting okay. to happen slowly, I think, at least around here. I would here. hope so, because I, but, yes, I do think of you as someone who, there's a, like, there's a particular thing. Like, if I saw your name amongst 15 comics at the Fringe and someone said, hey, who should I go and see? I could suss them and go, you'd yeah. enjoy me, but, Kyle. Do you I mean? feel like, like certainly from last year's Fringe, if they found us in the past, they've forgotten um, it was a really, it was <laughs> okay, really hard. Okay. But I think a lot of that was, in fairness, I found out later that I was pretty ill, pretty serious, like more seriously than I yeah, thought. Okay. So I was finding it very difficult to even build up the enthusiasm to do because that was the show I did that you saw in November. I recorded it in November, mm. it, and it was the same show, but it wasn't as good because I wasn't I wasn't in the room in the way that I always am. I was uh, yes. But also, also there are these other kind of factors that, like I say, when I say when we're beholding the chaos, some of the factors are year on year, more and more and more acts, year on year, more expensive rents, fewer yeah. punters in town or fewer punters who are going to take a punt on a particular thing. I just noticed it then when I said, oh, there's you and 10 comics on a board at Edinburgh, it's you and yeah. 3000 yeah. comics on a board. So how like without because the way the festival works is always changing, the way the fringe works is always changing and the way the way that now it's become the place where you sell tickets to your social media followers rather than the place where you mm. build an audience necessarily. 
you know, we're all taking, we're all happening during that. It's like that's the that's the kind of the arc of the comet, and we're all kind of in it, going, "Oh right, what do I? What, how do I fit in? Oh, it's changed <laughs> yeah, again. And yeah. what do I? Do? Oh, it's changed again. You know." And it's so easy to look. It's that confirmation bias at looking at people who appear to have done it well or got a successful result from it, and going, "Oh, can I copy what they did?" You go, that's "No, gone. the comet's yeah, already moved done. on." Done. Yeah, and it's. I don't know if that's solvable, and if it is solvable, I don't think it's solvable for someone my age. And by that, I don't mean. Uh, uh, the industry's moved on. I mean, in a so yeah, people my age can do TikTok, and I've started doing TikTok, but I'm fully aware that it's not natural in the way it is for someone who's 18. I'm having to learn it like yeah. an old man used to have to learn the internet and weed lap and going, oh, you can't even send an email. You know, like yeah. it's it's an inevitable fighting against the tide, I guess, which you can't fight against. It's it's. Uh, what I, what I worry I've come across, and this is genuinely not the case. I'm really not bitter. No, I, know, I don't think you've, anyone I don't other think than you've myself. Come at all. And I'm not jealous. I'm not like, but I was. This I think this is a thing that's important to me to say that I think I've had times of being jealous of people. Like I think we all have, because inevitably you start, and then people who start after you, who you may or may not rate, become more yeah. successful than you. That is just how it is. That is how it is. And I've seen people who've been going longer than me who that's eaten them up mm-hmm. and it's eaten and it, I, I can't do that. So, again, what I try really hard to do now, and I think there'd be a number of people who would vouch that I do try to do this, is that I really try to help people because then you can't get jealous because their success is part of yours. <laughs> oh, God, that's the secret of this podcast. I terribly, <laughs> I struggle terribly with jealousy, and I think that's a yeah. big part of why I... I mean, I, obviously, I like to help people. I love it when people go, oh, yeah, thanks, I was on the show and loads of people turned up in Edinburgh, for example. But yeah. part of it, yes, I think part Hi of it guys, is that... that yeah. would be useful. <laughs> part of it. And, yeah. and may I say you'll be promoted to being a super goldsmith if uh, if Lee tells me that you went to his show this year. <laughs> that's all I uh, have. But, yeah, but precisely that, that, that that's, that's good. That's a good thing. Jealousy is a natural emotion to feel and processing it not by becoming embittered but by helping people, even yeah. if there's a tiny element of like, because then I'll, I feel that they're, you know, I can enjoy their success. I can enjoy their... That's a yeah. much better way of framing it and it is hard it is hard like you, i always have pangs even like with some of my best friends if i see them doing a thing that i'm not doing of course you have a moment of going oh for fuck's sake yeah. but then you go well i'm glad it's them not people i hate i read a fantastic thing uh, a really good thought experiment for coping with feelings of jealousy if you're jealous i can't remember where i got this if you're jealous of someone you have to think to yourself okay well i can have that but i have to have their entire life forever all of it, yeah. and I don't get to have my yeah. life anymore. And I think as soon as you think that, you sort of go, oh, that's preposterous. You know, of course I want my yeah. life, so I just don't get to have that particular Yeah, life. and like the truth is, it's it's that position of going, I should be working and making the most money and doing all of these things every night, but I also always want to be in with my wife watching the television. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's that's the thing that's, I think, what the thing that deep down, other than the rejection fear stuff, has stopped me from reaching out to various agents over the years is that oh my god i don't i i really like being at home yes, <laughs> you know you i don't want, the, want to want i don't want to be everywhere the, all yes, the time yes, you want to make the decisions yourself and you want to be able to say yes and no to things as you would normally do so it's a yeah. big thing to then change and that's part of getting older in comedy isn't it and getting used to the, the comfort <laughs> the of your life the acceptance exactly yeah 
But that combined with my current terror of sending emails, it's it, it's not a it's not a straightforward path into the big clubs in that case, no. you know. Like it's not, which is why I've had to accept that, and I've sort of built my own sort of thing. I guess yeah. you know, like it's I, yeah. I, there's loads of ways I'd like to change, but it's all a process. Isn't it? It's all a don't get us wrong. If any massive agents are listening, give us a chat. We'll have a chat. But I don't know if I want you. Yeah. That's good. Hard <laughs> you know, to get. Like, hard to don't. get. I like it. Was... <laughs> I genuinely don't know. That's the thing. I genuinely don't. I want both sides and you can't have both sides. And that makes things difficult. Well, tell me about felt out. Tell me what felt out is and why it's called felt out. And we've got to wrap up pretty soon. So give us the, give us the right. potted history. Let's see. The, okay. like when you say doing your own things and working on your own stuff, maybe that's a good time to talk about it. Okay. This is the thing more than anything is, is motivating me comedically at the minute. Um, in that, oh, It's a very difficult thing to, to explain, I guess, because it's more exciting than I think I can make right. it sound to me. Um, so it's, a, it's something we set up in the pandemic me and a few other comics. Um, so once people might not know, like John Gibson, who is a Neil Harris who are around here. And by the way, go and see Neil's Edinburgh show, everybody. It's, it's, he went from being a, a boy who had the worst preview ever last year. Like, believe me, I was at it. It was horrible in 20 minutes of nothing. To write to, in two months, learning animation so you could do a show where he does a double act with a right-wing animated lion who's been fired from CBBS ah, for biting a kid. Okay, yeah, so <laughs> cool. Great, great. Yeah, you've got okay. called Helpy. It's brilliant. So, um, so we plus as some comics people will know, like Gav Webster and Lauren Patterson came on board, and we sort of set up during the pandemic a cooperative of, and the point is, or any comic in the northeast can join, mm-hmm. and most do. Um, so to get work from us, you have to live in Tyne and we are County Durham and Northumberland. <laughs> it's very strict. Yeah. And there's, and like, if there's way more great comics around here than people know, because one of my favorite things about comedy is the people who are brilliant locally, but don't yeah. care enough about it. To, so you just have these hidden gems. So, and well, I love what that. Is it? We've is got it so like many an agency of or a production company? What, what is it, it is? No, it's a, it's, it's legally a, a, a community interest company which means we have to do lots of work for the community and the community is both the yeah. community of comedians to improve our lot but also the community on a wider thing and we're also legally a cooperative so we're owned by our members and we're the only one we think of our type in the world and what we do is it, a lot of it's about cutting out the middleman in comedy so you know the people who and these aren't all bad people i'm not saying that but the people that we give lots of money to for things that we go well we can do this so for example this comedians who do so much, and we're lucky in that we have got ones who work in business. We've got Neil who does tech, so he does all the tech stuff, and we set up our own ticketing system and things. We've got Sammy Dobbins, a photographer, so we get acts for £10 a year, their first ever headshots. So we've got a day soon with 16 newer acts who don't have headshots. They're coming and getting them done and edited, and they don't have to pay a penny for it. And we put on charity gigs, so we did... We've done we do gigs at the Time Theatre who we've got in which has allowed us to book acts in at the Time Theatre who would never do solo shows in a theatre. And so so we've had on International Women's Day the last two years, we've done gigs for Rape Crisis, Tyneside Northumberland, who a friend of mine, the only friend I still really know from my teenage days, Dawn works for, and she went, Can you help us out? We want to do a gig in a 40-seater. And I said, Well, let's see, let's see if we can book the Time Theatre. And we did and my two favourite ever gigs, even though I wasn't on them, because they were just gigs um 
female stand-ups mm-hmm. living in the northeast doing them some of them well known some of them not well known mm-hmm. but all brilliant like and this year was so lovely like it, it, it was hard in that we had to leave some off because some came through like there's no room and you think we could, this could not have happened 10 years ago because there was maybe four of them and two were decent and it's like it's lovely to watch all these great acts come through and watch people become quote-unquote stars to the local audience so so as the last uh, Nicola Mantalios I don't know if you know who does a character called Zoe who is my favourite comedian, which is weird because she's a friend, she's someone I've started with. And I honestly think she's the best act in Britain right now. In our, in it's extraordinary. Go on, Nicola Mantelli. Well, yeah, like, it, it is a character called, which I, if I describe to you, wouldn't sound as funny as it is. And she dresses down, which I love, right? Uh, she used to go on stage looking very beautiful and pretty, whereas now she just, she looks a mess, like, on purpose. Okay. And she does a character which sometimes, and I have to defend her for this, some people who don't know this archetype think she's almost plain disabled. She isn't. What she's playing is um, the sort of women you get in Jarrow Council estates who are thick but certain of themselves. Okay. So she's, but she's the cleverest person in any room. It's incredible because she looks and talks as if she's stupid. So she, she does get a lot of hecklers, but then just kills it within a second. She's like, you okay. can't compete. Okay. All right. Was, I look forward to that. And okay. after her going on last at this theatre show last year, because all the acts, even the ones who were more experienced, like Louise, not more experienced, but had played bigger gigs, mm-hmm. Louise Young and Lauren Patterson and stuff, mm-hmm. went, no, she's got to go on last. She's the best. And it was right. lovely to watch them all at the side of the stage, almost like children, just watching. Sat, oh, sat, yeah, lovely. Okay. watching them, just going, this is lovely. And when she came on this year as the last act before the break, I've never heard a buzz for an act like it. Like the whole theatre, I was like, oh, it's her. Mm-hmm. And it's just been great to help build a thing for these talented people on this scene who okay. can, okay. who I think should have so more. So it's like a, it's like a, a cooperative agency but not quite an agency, it's, but yeah. sort of a cooperative, yeah. self-starting collective, basically. Yeah, but it, it, kind of it's thing. really, like, it's really sprinted away with us. We thought we might get one monthly gig somewhere, yeah. and people are coming all the time. Like, I, would, okay. like, I had five venues come on Friday going, can we do a gig, please? And it's like, yeah. It, it's, Amazing. But more than anything, it's been lovely to just watch... Like, I'm not going to pretend everyone in the North East best of friends, let's not be sure. naive, but everyone just mostly go... I can see the benefit of this. But in <laughs> fairness, like, I do give myself a decent share of the work comparing them because I have to, otherwise I can't afford to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But okay. I don't think, like, without blowing my own truth, I don't think there's any acts in the North East who don't think I'm good enough to do it. It's not a case of, like, going, I'll copy them because I'm shit. I think they would go, you would be one of them anyway, you know? But it's... And we work on, like, podcasts with people, so we put every Friday, every Monday together to okay. make podcasts with people who want to make them and just loads of stuff. Patreon.com slash felt now, everybody. It's, please. <laughs> why felt now, by the way? Tell me why felt now. We, t- tell me why felt now and tell me briefly because I want to hear the very last thing we've got. We've got about two minutes left is I want to hear about your solo Royal Rumble. So tell me oh, why God. felt now because I need to know. Okay, okay. felt now was we wanted to have something that was resonant of Geordie comedy but not like, e aren't we canny? I hate all that. Oh, it's yeah, Newcastle yeah. great shit. Felt now was, do you remember the tube? Uh, the TV show. The yes. Yeah, there, was a, yeah, there was a very surreal, I think comedians almost pushing it, but comedy odd thing called Wavis or Shave on that. It was also from South Shields. And okay. he, he played a Geordie stereotype character who would hit his knee with a hammer and go, oh, uh, I, fe- I felt that. Got it, got it, so got he it, wanted to it, call okay. it that because it was a bit punker. Um, so tell me then about your solo Royal Rumble. Okay. And then, and then I'll ask you if you're happy and then we'll get out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, happiness fits and starts. Royal Rumble. <laughs> 
so the Royal Rumble, for those that don't know, it's a 30-man wrestling match. And the most famous one is the 1992 Royal Rumble, right? That is the one that is just, it has just enough different characters in so they could all have recognisable costumes. And I did it at a festival in Newcastle that doesn't exist anymore called Jestable, which was in a big tent on the quayside. It was lovely. And I I decided I was going to do, I said, can I do this? And I play all 30 characters in that match while the entrance videos played. So people end up every minute and a half, roughly. (laughs) I I got 30 costumes and wrestled myself. I set up a ring made out of chairs and <laughs> and um, line from a washing line. Okay. And it was it wasn't until I sort of got out there the first cost, first two costumes and had to start wrestling and I thought, what do I actually do for an hour and eight minutes while this <laughs> while the commentary plays over? And the the Edwards bits were fun. I could run off and that would get a big cheer. And then I was like, but the wonderful thing was a lot of my family came, right? That's not wonderful because I was like, this isn't my show, this is a different thing. And they went, why don't you just do your show? I went, I'm doing this. And there was a lovely bit where I think I got them because I was being Ric Flair at this point, right? <laughs> I was being Ric Flair. And I heard my granny say to me, auntie, she went, I think he's going to win. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's lovely. And you know what? He did. <laughs> but people have asked if I can do similar again. And my health is at such a case where the answer is no, no, I can't. Oh. Absolutely not. Oh, I've always wanted so to do it as a one-off at the fringe, but I'd have to, I'd have to perk up. Fitness-wise, yeah. quite a yeah. lot to do it again. Fair dues. Thank you. Thank you, mate. It was it was really nice having you. Um, it's nice to pontificate, and I know I get rambly. And for that, I am. But I apologise. No, 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 no. You didn't pontificate no, not, any more sorry. than I asked you to. Thank I'm you. Not sorry. Fuck you, Stu. I'll say what I like. Yes, there you we go. You can't say anything these days with the walks. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast has been a success, and we finally got to the real league Kyle. <laughs> And we're going to join the Patreon for Felton Out and support that if we're in the northeast and we want to support it. Um, we'll take your money from anywhere, honestly. Take the money from anywhere. Um, we're going to... Uh, your DMs are open on Twitter at... <laughs> what's, is it I'm Lee Kyle? I'm Lee Twitter? Kyle. Yeah. I'm Lee Kyle. Yeah. Um, and your DMs are open for suggestions about your rejection sensitivity dysphoria. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, also, I forgot to mention, it's not on sale till June and I can't remember when it is, but it's April or May next year. I've, I've got a show at the Time Theatre and I don't have the fan base for it, so please. Right. <laughs> Great, lovely. Okay, it's one of my so... pointless risks when I do two things a month. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. And is that that's leekyle.com? I'm leekyle.com. I'm leekyle.com. You think? <laughs> yeah. He believes he knows the name of his website. And finally, your Edinburgh show is called, is it England's Best Comedian? England's Best Comedian, Pear Tree 1245. Pear Tree 1245. I'm sure it will be a show by then. Great. Thanks, Lee. <laughs> Thank you, Stu. Thank you. So that was Lee Kyle, 20 more minutes with Lee on the content of Disco Twix, some wrestling with gender identity in his extremely gentle way. Um, and which is not to say the punchlines are gentle. The punchlines are massive, but the warmth is so gentle. He's just such a twinkly guy. I just love him to bits. So I hope you will check out his show, England's Best Comedian at the Edinburgh Festival this year. Uh, and my own show, of course, is called Spoilers. And I don't believe they clash. So why not make it a twofer? Speaking of Edinburgh, shall we do? Let's do Edinburgh chat in the postamble for now. Extra bits and bobs in the Insiders Club with all the extras from all the shows that have had them. Uh, we currently have episodes in the can for you with Lucy Beaumont, Gianmarco Cerezi and Jeff Shaw as well, which is a, an, an amazing comedy history lesson. Also Johnny Pelham, which is wonderful. I've got loads of people lined up and it's all systems go. Right. Um, that is that for now. Catch up with Lee Kyle at I'mLeeKyle.com and Twitter I'mLeeKyle. Catch up with me at StuartGoldsmith.com and you can find out all the bits and bobs I'm doing if you are in any way connected to the corporate world. I 
can come and talk to you about resilience from the point of view of comedians or indeed a comics view of the climate crisis in which if you're a director of sustainability I smuggle in your climate messaging to my stuff. Nice, right? So if you know anyone who has those kind of roles uh, then send them my way. Uh, lots of stuff. If you check out, why not check out stuartgoldsmith.com? It's so shiny and I put so much work into it. And like I've done it in a very satisfying way, like I've done it myself. Um, so if you haven't noodled around there, go and noodle around there. I think you'll go, oh, oh look at all this stuff. So that's nice. Right, that's us. Um, extra stuff at uh, comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. And I will post Amble at you in just a moment after this noise of a horse. old school postamble content now i drove to falmouth and back on i'm going to say monday lovely room if you're in falmouth go to toast i think it's called is it called toast at falmouth that would kind of be hateful i think it's toast of falmouth which i think is better but the room itself you're performing it it's like a brilliant little it feels underground despite not being underground and um you're performing in front of a fantastic kind of graffitied art octopus with a monocle yeah, do check out the Instagram post at Stuart Goldsmith Comedy. This is a, I mean, it's an absolutely beautiful place with a really lovely crowd. And thank you. I met a bunch of newer comics there who did kind of, there were some people doing open mics and stuff. And then bless their hearts, they all sat in the front row during my preview and guffawed to the extent that it became a challenge <laughs> because I was kind of doing that with, without wanting to tread on that uh, Stuart Lee mixed ability audience thing. It was the, one of those situations where some people are loving it so hard you kind of wish they'd shut up a bit because, with all due respect to you lovely boys who I spoke to, um, you kind of wish they'd pack it in or, or turn the volume down a little bit because everyone else can sometimes react. If one group in the room is really loving it, everyone else can sit back and go, well, come on, it's not that bad. But uh, nonetheless, very, very satisfying. Although, and this is sort of a warning, really, um, if you're in your 40s, don't, and you're a comic or anyone doing long drives in the middle of the night, don't forget that you're in your 40s because I've, I think I forgot I was in my 40s and I drove from Bristol to Falmouth and back and it took four hours and then three hours 45 because the road closures on the way back. And that's an insane amount of time to be driving. And I coped with it and I was safe and then I got home and fell asleep. And then I woke up the next morning and I was so sad I burst into tears. <laughs> so that's some old school. That's weird, isn't it? We were talking about vulnerability in this episode, but I think um, that is some quite old school got a bit about this in the new show maybe in the new show just about the membrane between between realities right come with me now on a four minute post amble head squeeze do you do you know you know when you're feeling pretty chipper and you there's maybe difficult stuff that you're coping with in your life but you're feeling chipper so you're like hey i can cope with this well that's a pain but i'll deal with it later i'm okay and so and that sort of feels like it equals being okay and then when you are feeling very low, when all of your, you know, all of your, your self-defined red flags and alarm bells are going, go, oh, I'm behaving like this again. That probably means I'm feeling sad. And you think to yourself, oh, yes, I'm physically exhausted. That's a big trigger for me. Of course, I'm sad. You find, do you find, do you find that you don't know which is the real one? Because when you're feeling sad, you don't think, oh, well, well, I don't. I don't think, oh, well, you know, I've not slept enough, so I'm feeling sad, so I'm not seeing all this straight. I think this is the base reality. I can't cope, and the rest of the time I'm just pushing through it. But this is the reality I can't cope. Isn't that weird? Isn't that annoying? I promised you four minutes. It's a minute and a half. I think I've said everything I need to say about that, other than other than asking you, do you do that too? Tweet me, unless you're feeling too vulnerable. What did I put on Twitter recently? Oh, listen, 
I oh no, I can't I can't say the thing I was looking at because it pertains to a potentially massive massive massively important to my, to me and this podcast guest who I may have I may have someone I've been trying to get for years but I of course I'm not going to hex it I may already have hexed it I think I told the insiders club on the slack app the slack channel that we have and uh, already I'm regretting that because I feel like I've hexed it but I've got someone very very important to my understanding of comedy and how it works imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And um, I was researching them and I researched a thing that they do. Again, I'm being woolly, so you can't work out who it is. So I don't feel like I'm hexing it. God, this is pathetic. Um, and in researching them, I, I got really sad. <laughs> I think I tweeted something like it made me realise that so much of the time, because I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of comedy, despite having arguably overdone it in my interest in comedy. Um, I... Uh, I'm a big fan. And yet what I sort of realised is a lot of the time I um, I watch comedy. I find it exhausting to watch comedy because a part of me is constantly comparing myself to the comic, comparing my technique, my kung fu to the comics kung fu, you know, comparing my place in the industry that doesn't exist, comparing my success to theirs, all of this stuff. Whereas, you know, like we've said and thought about a million times, you can't can't just be jealous of someone. What's that? It's a great technique I cribbed off someone recently. If you find yourself being jealous of someone, think, would you swap, though, with them forever? Would you permanently swap? And as, long, as soon as you think about being it being permanent, you go, well, no, of course, I want my kids and my wife and my life and my, my life. But nonetheless, it's still... It just basically, what I realised was, I'm I'm just in the habit of exhausting myself by constantly doing compare and despair who was that it was emma wilman this came up in the facebook group recently and it, i couldn't remember who it was but it was emma wilman said in a recent episode brilliant episode go back and listen to that one she said that she paid for some therapy and the therapist said well compare and despair and she walked around going god my god this is the best therapist ever without realizing that is a fairly tried and tested thing to say um so that yeah i can see that logically of course that's nonsense doesn't do me any favors but I think I don't notice the extent to which I'm comparing and or despairing in the background. And so I end up finding watching comedy a lot of the time unpleasant or painful or I or rather than actively deciding against it, I just kind of opt out quietly without noticing why. Do you do that? There must be things in your life where you do that. You sort of realise, oh, if I'm honest with myself, the reason I've done behaviours X, Y, Z or I've, I've omitted engaging with thing A, B, C is that you, I ran out of letters then, had to go back to the beginning, um, is that you think to yourself, I just, you, on, on, so you don't think to yourself, on some unconscious level, you could probably admit to yourself, you are you are sort of subconsciously thinking, oh, if I do that, I'm just going to spend the whole time going, oh, I'm not as good as this. So you don't bother doing it. What a twat. There we go. That's my new, uh, <laughs> that's my new self-analysis catchphrase. What a twat. Um, well, there we are. 
uh, that's closer to the time I promised you, uh, that arbitrary promise I made. And I do recommend you see Disco Twix. I really, I, it makes me smile to think of it. I, I have a lovely warm feeling towards that. I've said warmth about eight times. I think Lee's warm. Um, so that's that. Yes, right. More, more onwards and upwards, onwards and sideways at least. More stuff, more gigs, more previews. Come and see them. The, 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 if you go to stuartgoldsmith.com slash comedy, there will be a link there that you find the link tree, which then blossoms with all of the up-to-date previews, which are, why don't we just bloody say them while we're at it? All of the, I can get to it in four, that was four button presses and a bit of stalling. Uh, what we have coming up is in on the 13th of June, I'm at, that's next week as I record this, and um, that's two north down in London. On the 28th, I'm at a block in Plymouth. And then July, the first I'm at Chippenham Comedy Festival. That'll be brilliant. The second, I'm in Bristol at Red Catch Community Garden. That's a charity gig. The fourth, I'm in Exeter. Uh, the seventh, I'm in Swindon at the Hop In. The ninth, I'm at the Comedy Crate Festival in Northampton. Again, an amazing place to spend all day watching loads of preview shows. Um, the 11th, I'm in Leamington Spa at the Lounge. The 13th, the Comedy Box in Bristol. 14th, Cheltenham Laughter Hours. Oxford Comedy Festival on the 15th. Bath Comedy Festival on the 17th of July. 18th, I'm at Chops in Bristol. And the 19th, I'm at Stooges Comedy in London. So um, come and see one of those. I think that is that's might be too many. I, th- I don't want to overcook it. But it isn't cooked yet. So you can't make the not overcooking it decisions until it's cooked. That's my advice to you. Um, Next weekend, I'm going to attempt to make a vegetable curry for 12 people, which, if you know me at all, you'll know is really outside my wheelhouse. Um, But I'm leaning into it as I grow in age and attempt to re-decide who I am. Apparently, I'm the kind of guy that uh, borrows a massive crusade cooking pot and cooks a curry for an absolute ton of people. So I'll fill you in with that as we go. Bye for now.